everybody and welcome to a Sonic Talk special. That's right, this is one of those ones that we do from time to time, usually to cover me being on holiday, but by a happy accident, uh, we've also means we've got the uh, presence of a fantastic guest who I will tell you about shortly, but I uh, just want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show, of course. Uh, we will have details of a competition that you can win a copy of Break Tweaker. Obviously, I can't announce the winner of any other competitions because I don't know when this is going to go out, so that's just going to be the way it is. But uh, thank you very much. And there's no live chat room. This is all pre-recorded, but uh, I can assure you it's live and direct. And... Uh, Look who I've got here. I've got Mr. Roger Lynn of Roger Lynn Design. You must know who Roger Lynn is. How are you, Roger? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very glad to hear that. Right, Roger, of course, is you must get a bit sick of being called the grandfather or the father of drum machines and MPCs and stuff, but it's true, isn't it? It's just one of those things you've got to have to learn to live with, I guess. Oh, I don't mind. It's, it's wonderful, actually. Uh, you know, often customers write in, and I do all, currently I do my, all my own tech support so customers write in and we have wonderful conversations and often they'll tell me about things they did with some of my earthy products and, and uh, it's very nice to hear, you know. Excellent. Well, Roger, um, one of the reasons you're here is because a couple of uh, episodes ago we were talking about the instrument because periodically uh, what you're working on at the moment is uh, this this kind of multi-touch, new um, thought on how to control exp- and, and be expressive. And we talked a little bit about it and uh, and you got in touch and said, I think I need to tell you a bit more about it because obviously we were clearly under-informed, or at least I was. Um, but, I mean, aside from all of that stuff, I mean, this this has been a very long project for you, isn't it? I mean, this is kind of something that you've been working on for co- quite some time. And I was reading a little bit about it. I mean, tell us a little bit about where this came from and why you felt there was a need for it because I guess your background... Pres- previously has been, you know, in terms of interface, has been pad-based and, you know, you might get pressure sensitivity and that's kind of it. There's not really been any keyboard stuff. So tell me, where it, where did it come from? Well, first I want to say, Nick, that uh, you're not uh, misinformed uh, and you've always been great about uh, your reporting on uh, music, uh, electronic music products uh, much more than other people. Uh, you always seem to really uh, understand it very, very well. And, and that's very, very nice because often... People will write wrong things about products with no bad intentions, but uh, I do appreciate the fact that you, you do research properly. And uh, it's just that this thing here, I, I was mainly saying not that you were misinformed, but rather that, that um, people in, in general, it's a new idea, and, and it's, it's very helpful uh, when somebody like yourself uh, uh, is able to explain these things in a better way. So I appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, regarding the long um, time it took to do the instrument, uh, I first uh, released a video about four years ago of an early prototype of an instrument. <clears throat> and uh, the whole idea of it was is a multi-touch surface that senses three dimensions of movement of a finger, uh, kind of like what acoustic instruments do, uh, like a violin or something like that. But at the time, I was using a commercial um, uh, evaluation unit of a technology from a company called Touchco. And I was thinking about just using their technology as the, the touch surface for mm-hmm. an instrument. Uh, and then the, the Amazon company uh, bought them and shut them down. So uh, they basically took away uh, what I was going to use as my, my touch surface for this. And so I was, uh, that was after I made the video. So without a touch surface, I decided to make my own because no one else made such a, a touch surface. And it turns out it, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. It's like making a touch screen that's pressure sensitive 
And it, it's, it's not easy. And it took me about four years to get it right. But the good news is, is that what I've come up with, you know, the design I have, is a whole lot better than what Touchco had anyway for musical purposes. So uh, it took a long time, but uh, I think it's worth the wait. Wow. I mean, so that's – that's. I like the idea of that. It's almost kind of like uh, – if they don't if, if they don't build it anymore, you have to build. So you're back to basics. I mean, I'm guessing you're you've got a background in engineering uh, uh, design. So I mean, it's not a completely un um, unexplored area for you, but that must have been quite a challenge. Well, it is. The truth is, I have no education in engineering. Actually, all I have is a high school degree. I never finished college. Uh, so, uh, but um, you know, when you're really interested in something. Uh, it's easy to learn. You're driven by your own passions. And, and I've always been passionate about both music uh, and about uh, technology. And, and putting those together has is, is always been the, the combination you know, of, of my, two, uh, my two strong interests. So uh, I always focus on the goal. I try to make an instrument that I would like to have. And fortunately, the things that I like to have are, are things that, that some people at least would like to have as well. So it works out well for me. So it's one of those things where the necessity is the mother of invention. You know? Gotcha, I understand. I mean, one of the things that we've because you know, we've seen this notion of that. I mean, it's not the only uh, touch interface concept uh, out there. Perhaps it was the first one, and obviously that delay that you had because there was obviously the Eigen Labs guys who were using keys and what have you. I mean, the one thing that um, I found just with playing that kind of stuff is it's actually quite challenging. And you didn't go for the keyboard layout. You went for something kind of the, the, uh, the, the grid. Was that always your intention or is that something that came by design? Um, well, one thing I'd say, first of all, is that <coughs> there are four other instruments that do this, what I call uh, polyphonic multidimensional controllers or PMCs, not to be confused with MPCs. <laughs> uh, and <coughs> But... Uh, where we all uh, owe a great debt of gratitude is to Lippold Hawken, who first yes. released his um, Continuum uh, in 1999. This is quite a long time ago, 15 years ago. And that really speaks uh, very highly of his forward thinking. Uh, and then before that, there were, of course, um, monophonic expression instruments like the Iwi uh, from Niall Steiner, who then made it with Akai. And Yamaha had some wonderful uh, wind instruments uh, as well. Uh, and then Don Buchla had interest, interesting interfaces that were uh, multidimensional in his uh, Thunder controller. So there were a lot of things leading up to this. But I think uh, what Lippold did starting in 1999 was to introduce the idea of a polyphonic multidimensional controller. And suddenly you could actually play notes and chords on. Uh, and then, you know, we're all catching up to Lippold, I think, and trying our own versions of that. But anyway, as it comes down to uh, the idea of laying out the notes in a grid, the problem with a keyboard is, and I could have laid out uh, the instrument notes in a keyboard layout. I actually planned to, to, to have a, a keyboard layout version. But the problem with it is, and this is described on my site, is that when you want to do these bends between notes, which are very important for guitar, pedal steel, uh, harmonica, even wind instruments and such, <clears throat> you want to bend from one note to another. Uh, right. And the trouble with a piano keyboard is those bends just go all over the place. You know, if you're bending from C to C sharp, you have to bend in a diagonal direction. If you're bending from C to D, you're, you're, bending in a, you're moving your finger in a horizontal direction. If you want to go from C, a minor third, up to E flat, you have to do a sort of a zigzag motion. Mm. <clears throat> now, uh, it, so it makes it very, very difficult. And so I, always, I, I favored the idea of a layout of notes 
similar to any stringed instrument. And what is that? It's a grid. Uh, any stringed instrument is basically a multiple rows of, right. of evenly spaced semitones. <clears throat> and it, it really lends itself much, much better than a piano key layout to doing those sorts of expressive bends. And even a guitar, a guitarist will bend up a whole tone and vibrato around there. Uh, so it, it works out much, much better. And, and you can see from the videos on my site how it does those sorts of things. Now, that said, I have to say that um, the Rolly Seaboard uh, is a wonderful instrument, and they've worked around those limitations in an excellent way, uh, as best as you can, you can do in a keyboard layout. So uh, I'm not bashing the keyboard layout. And, and the other thing, too, is, is that that's where everybody already plays. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I guess the difficulty is, obviously, when you've got people, I mean, generally, keyboard players are the people that are kind of immersed in the technology and the and MIDI and that side of things. So therefore, the the interface of their choice is going to be keyboard based. But actually, as you say, you know, that the the, the stringed instrument layout for expressivity makes an awful lot of sense in terms of the execution of it. So it's a tricky one. I always wondered about that, about the opportunity, the possibility of actually creating a left hand right hand thing so you can have your keys you know from your midi input or whatever and then using i think i discussed this on the on the show when we were talking about the 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 notion of instrument and other um multi um dimensional controllers of having a hand that would do the control and a hand that would do the playing so you could kind of work in two ways is that is that something you explored as well well that's the that's the existing metaphor uh, or method of doing it if you're playing a midi keyboard you select your notes with the on-off switches of a MIDI keyboard, and then you add the variable element by moving a pitch bend wheel or a mod wheel with your left hand. The, the trouble with it is, is, is um, as I write on my site, if you've ever tried to play a convincing jazz saxophone solo or a clarinet or a violin, uh, you know that it just doesn't work. It sounds like a, a sampler playing those sounds uh, or a, a you know, synthesizer just playing it. And the problem is, is that ultimately um, the... Uh, the, the MIDI keyboard is just a series of on-off switches. Mm. And if you take that um, by comparison to an instrument like a violin, uh, you're able to control three parameters at once while you're playing the note. You can change the loudness of the note over time, you can change the pitch of the note over time, and you can change the timbre of the note, for example, by whether you bow uh, near the bridge or near the neck. Uh, and so those con- things are all controlled uh, at the same time, and that's what makes... Uh, a violin, such an expressive instrument, for example, right. and if you're working with synthesis, that's what make can make synthesis such an expressive sound. And so, what I'm doing is I'm saying, if you look historically at instruments, what has made uh, musical um, performances that people agree over centuries are beautiful and um, endearing to us all as listeners is this ability to control these three parameters at once: uh, loudness, pitch, and timbre. And so. If you also want, though, but those have all been monophonic instruments. If you also want the polyphony of a keyboard, the only way to do that is to control those three parameters with one finger. And fortunately, in in this particular universe, there are three dimensions. (laughs) So you use the pressure to control the loudness, left-right motion to control pitch, and the forward-backward movement to control timbre. And, And so it works out to be really the only way you can do that and still maintain polyphony. Ah, yes, I see what you're saying. So have you got, um, perhaps... Okay, and and let me just finish on that. Because you were saying, why not just separate out the nuances from the note selection mechanism, Mm. as on a MIDI keyboard? And and the reason is, is because it just doesn't work very well. First of all, that means you can only play one note at a time expressively. 
and you can't control things independently. But it also means that um, <clears throat> in, in all great expressive acoustic instruments, the note selection mechanism is tightly integrated into the, the um, expressive mechanism. In other words, if you're playing a guitar, you play the note and you wiggle the note to vibrato it, or you play the note and you slide your finger to vibrato it, you don't have a separate mechanism. Well, for example, you do on a guitar, you can use the whammy well, yeah, bar to do true. vibrato, but it really doesn't work the same. I mean, the parts of music that we really love are seeing a guitarist who plays those notes and wiggles them and slides them and does hammer-ons and slurs, or a violin player that does the vibratos and the glissandi, and all those nuances that we've come to love are ones in which the instrument tightly integrates the note selection mechanism with the expression mechanism. Right, so and so it really works much better to do that. So you have essentially we have a ma mechanical connect between the whole thing, so that the whole thing yeah. has a. Has, so how does the layout of the instrument uh, work in terms of, um, uh, well, in terms of note selection and what have you? I mean, that's the thing that I've been curious about because with all grid <laughs> systems, there's uh, an ability to. Um, to kind of do a lot of things in note clusters and chords, but it really depends on how you, you array. Is there a standard that you're adhering to? You know, like push uses a particular method and then there's the, uh, there are various other keyboards that do, you know. So how have you, how did you choose that? Did you use an existing one or perhaps you could explain how it's laid out on the instrument itself? Because I know you've got one with you, right? Yeah, actually it was, was run right here. Oh, um, as if by magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way it works is, is all the rows are chromatic notes. You actually can't hear that now, can you? I can hear it a little bit. Yes, we can, actually. Okay, then um, uh, that's good. So, and then um, the interval between the rows is kind of like the, the tuning of the instrument um, as, a, as in a guitar. For example, right now this is tuned to all musical fourths. So like EADG, so it's uh, like the guitar strings, effectively. Well, it, like the four bottom strings of a guitar. All right. Uh, but if I want, I can select here uh, guitar tuning, and I can put it right into guitar tuning. Uh, ah. Me, personally, I prefer all fourths, because then that makes the layout isomorphic. That means when I play a chord, it will be the same fingering, or I play a scale, it will be the same fingering, no matter where I play across the keyboard. But I suspect a lot of guitar players will tune it to guitar, cellists or violinists will tune it to fifths, and so on and so forth. Oh, I see. So the paradigm of having a string... Uh, and then the intervals, that's very much so. You can, yeah, I, I see that makes an awful lot of sense when you look at it that way. So, um, and I guess if you go for the isomorphic feel, then, you know, you, you can translate those skills to other instruments, like we say, such as push and whatever. So are those, um, are the individual rows, are they individual channels of aftertouch or, or, or layer? I mean, how does that part of it work? Because presumably if you, if you play two notes together on the same string, effectively, do you still get the polyphonic expression or does it have to be across spring, strings? Well, there's, there's, uh, there are three different MIDI modes. Uh, by default, it just sends everything on a single channel so that it works with any um, MIDI synth. And, and when you th one way to think of an instrument is it's just basically like an expressive alternative to a standard MIDI keyboard controller. Right. It doesn't make any sound. It only puts out MIDI. Uh, but the problem, of course, with MIDI is, is the pitch bend information always applies to all notes. Yeah. And so you can only have one pitch bend uh, for all notes. So in this uh, basic uh, single-channel method, um, whenever you um, slide your, note, uh, your finger left or right, it's putting out pitch bend information. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but 
the trouble with that is, of course, you can't hold one note and then play another note. Like and pedal steel or whatever that kind of, yeah. So the second MIDI mode is channel per note, and that puts out every note on its own MIDI channel, and so it has independent pitch bend that way. And it works great with Logic Pro and a number of other synthesizers, but not with all, because most MIDI synthesizers accept everything just on a single MIDI channel. But when you use this channel per note mode, then uh, if I play one note, it'll be on, say, channel one, and if I play a second note and bend it, it'll be on channel two, and the bends for channel two will only affect the note that's on channel two. And that's how I did, for example, the pedal steel guitar sound on the video on my website and some of the others. So in that way, I mean, it's actually very, very simple. It's just a, a simple, ch- in terms of if you were designing a new VSTi or a new um, uh, virtual instrument, just being able to recognize channeling information coming in on note, I mean, it could still play the same. Does it require a lot of modification? I mean, I, I'm guessing you probably have had to discuss this with people who are making instruments to sort of see how your instrument could interact with what's currently out there. Is it, is it a big deal? Or I mean, because I always wondered how that was possible, but it seems when you explain it that way, quite straightforward. Well, <clears throat> so far I haven't talked too much about with the other uh, developers about it, um, but it, because Logic Pro X already works great in, in uh, channel per note mode. And also there's a, there's a number of other synths like uh, Spectrosonics uh, Trillion, and uh, Spectrosonics Omnisphere. Mm-hmm. They both work in multi-channel mode in the same way. So, and there's a number of others too. Um, and not only that, but I, I, I stay in contact with the other makers of these uh, polyphonic multi-dimensional controllers like uh, Roland Lamb, who makes the Seaboard, or sure. Ripple Hawkins, who makes the Continuum, or Randy Jones, who makes the Sound Plane, or um, John Lambert, who makes the Eigenheart. And so we're all working together to make sure that... that uh, that we implement things in the same way, and it becomes easy for people to support. Ah, okay. And, I... and more and more sense are coming online all the time that this polyphonic mode. You know, but that said, um, much of the time when you're doing this sort of expressive playing, you are doing solo work. So the single-channel mode works actually very, very well. Right. Uh, as exemplified in this, uh, here's a, uh, a clarinet sound. So I'm, I'm actually getting three dimensions of movement, but uh, for any sort of acoustic instrument, like a wind instrument like that, uh, you've got to uh, understand that the, the intent is to actually have a monophonic instrument. Right. Um, and by the way, the sound you just heard, if you can hear it, is from this Italian company called Sample Modeling, and it just makes this perfect fit for an instrument. It gives you uh, perfect acoustic uh, performances of clarinet, oboe, or ranges of saxes, flute, trombone, trumpet, French horn. Is that modeled stuff, is that rather than sampled based? They call it sample modeling, and it's a marvelous technology. They start with samples, but then they, they, um, they um, break it down into descriptors, and then they're able to manipulate those descriptors in real time and reassemble it, uh, when, it when it's played in real time as you need it. And in doing so, uh, you can do all things... Things like uh, pitch slides and vibratos, and you never get any of that munchkinization. And the beauty of it, uh, the sample modeling instruments are all monophonic, but it turns out that's actually what you want. Is that, these, a lot of is that these guys? Yes, that's them. All right, okay. Samplemodeling.com. Yeah, I got you. That sounds but, it. But the, just to want to finish this point, a big part of what makes those acoustic instruments sound realistic is the transitions between yeah. monophonic notes. So it's how you play, if you're playing along and you finger the, the note on a clarinet or a sax to another note, what makes it sound realistic is those transitions between notes. 
And so it actually sounds more realistic if it's monophonic than if it's polyphonic. Okay. I, and then that, that works great with, with instruments, uh, single channel mode. Right. I've got it. I was always curious. So is, are you using pitch bend because of the higher resolution? Because I always wondered about the concept of taking, you got your note trigger, then all the individual axis you add would be, an, you could use aftertouch or polyphonic aftertouch was an existing uh, pre on different channels. So you could use it that way. Or does that not give you enough resolution? <coughs> Actually, it works fine. What we're trying to do is use all the existing standards. As I say, an instrument is really just a replacement for a, an expressive replacement for any MIDI keyboard controller. So in the same way that a MIDI keyboard controller can put out aftertouch uh, for the pressure information of the instrument, I can put out aftertouch or poly aftertouch or send uh, pressure information as uh, control change 11, which is expression. And then for pitch bend, all sense want to see the note change, the pitch change with pitch bend messages. Mm -hmm. So I use pitch bend messages for that. Right. And then for the third dimension of timbral control, I I follow either the standard set by Continuum, which is a controller uh, 74, or controller uh, 1, the mod wheel. That's interesting. So um, how the, I'm curious that how when you slide, you're sliding from a, from a particular point. So I, I'm starting on this note, I'm sliding here, then I'm going to go uh, hit another note. There must become some quite clever sort of maths and interpolation so that when you then hit a new note, it's on pitch rather than having to reset itself and sliding back down again. I mean, that's, are those are the sort of challenges that you're having to kind of deal with in terms of the nuts and bolts programming for how the sensors react and, and work. Yeah, well, one of the great things you can do, uh, one of the great reasons about um, uh, ele electronic instruments as opposed to acoustic, music, acoustic instruments is the ability to correct pitch, of course. Uh, now, I play guitar and mandolin, and I love the fact that there are frets there, but I don't like the fact that I can't slide continuously up and down mm. uh, as on a violin. And so with uh, an electronic instrument, um, you can, uh, you can, you can uh, have your initial uh, pitch quantized. Uh, and then you can also quantize it when you move. If you, if you stop moving, it says, oh, you stopped moving. I'd like to goose that back into, into pitch. So there are tricks you can do to help you, but still give you the expression that you want from an instrument like a violin. Yeah. Uh, and one of, the, one of the things that I found, because I tried to play, uh, I think it was the Eigen Pico, which is, a, you know, it has multi-axis. Uh, but I found the problem, the problem I found with that or any other instrument so far is, as soon as you start to touch it, it's very difficult to. Um, it needs to be really highly set up to your touch because quite often what you might do is you might touch it and then you you'll fit because of the level of accuracy that you might have to hit a button, the pitch starts to drift. How do you handle that kind of stuff? Well, um, <clears throat> one of the uh, uh, I have a Pico and I think that the Eigenhart products are, are wonderful. There is a problem though uh, because the way they're bending pitch is the tilt of the button. And I think it is a little bit difficult sometimes to hold that steady. Now, but they have some good tricks in there where they have a um, logarithmic bend, so there's less bend in the center of the action than if you're tilting it left or right. Um, I prefer the method of instrument because when you press on that, you've got a tactile feedback. When you're pressing on something, it's very easy to hold your finger in place. Right. So I, I find it easier to use than a built button that has tilt to it. Okay, I've got you. So the surface of uh, an instrument is actually flat. I mean, it looks, it looks like it's it's not because presumably because of the way the lights are behind it. Or is that am I am I making a supposition there? I've never touched one in the in the flesh. 
No, it's completely flat. Uh, and what the surface consists of is it's, bunch, it's a bunch of little drum pads, actually. Uh, there's little, if I can put it up closer, maybe you can see it there better. Oh, there's a slight, there's a slight right, channel between them. So you've got, ta- you feel, you know where you are kind of thing. Yeah, there's a little dip of, of uh, a half a millimeter between the note squares. So you can feel where you are. And then the light just comes from underneath this translucent silicon rubber surface. It shines through. But it's, it's very flat. And when you press a note, it's very easy to hold that pitch. And if you want to vibrato it, you just wiggle your finger. And if you want to slide it, or in this case. Ah, there we go. The slide. You've heard that, right? Yeah, I, we did. It, it is kind of quiet. I mean, if you've got any more level in the room, that would be awesome. But, uh, but yeah. Well, actually, it's going through headphones. I could take the headphones off and then just listen to it acoustically. Ah, okay. Yeah, let's have another listen to that because I, 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 I love that slide. That... Yeah, so here's... Uh, let me put the camera down again. So I'm holding a note. Uh, no, I'm going into bigger speakers. Here we go. That's lovely. I think we're going to start getting oh, feedback. Uh, yes, I heard oh, Now I'm, I'm not hearing your voice, Nick. Okay. okay. Will hear, oh. But I'm going to start coming out of your speakers now. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I can turn it down a little. That sounded lovely. That really did sound lovely. And that, that whole kind of notion of uh, the slide guitars, you know, is, is something that is people can sort of appreciate how to play that. Do you find, I mean, how are you finding people that uh, that take this for the first time? Because I know you're working with Geert Beaven, who's uh, who's a great kind of multi-touch exponent and, you know, an all-round kind of boffin guy when it comes to sort of how to implement that. But he knows what he's doing. How do you find that people who don't kind of take to this presumably you've been you've you've, you've sort of seen how how that works have you found um how how what what are people kind of instantly gravitating towards when they first start using a instrument well you know, the interesting thing about it is when you've got this much expression uh you don't need to play so much and i find that when people come uh, over and to play it uh they, they actually uh rock it very easily let me just show you what I mean. If if uh, and I'm I'm actually being honest about this. <laughs> I mean I know I'm trying to uh, eventually sell these things, but if I just play this, I, first of all the lights are all the naturals, and then I can play them on multiple rows. But I just play the note and wiggle my finger. It's really very easy to translate any existing skills for vibrato uh, from whatever instrument you play onto this, and, and people get it very easily. And the, the point I'm making is that <clears throat> when you've got that much expression, uh, you don't need to play that much. Uh, you, you can actually play something very beautiful and very expressive with very few notes uh, compared to what you'd have to do on a, a MIDI keyboard because it just doesn't have those controls in it. There, have you found that there are other kind of byproducts of having an expressive thing? You know, you say they're all little mini drum pads, uh, effectively. Are there? Are, have you found there are sort of unexpected benefits to having a control surface laid out in this way um, and with the capabilities it has, other than just pure expression? 
Well, I, I think obviously the expression is the uh, is the main thing, but um, the side benefit of this grid layout uh, over a piano key layout is that um, uh, it overcomes one of the biggest problems: the piano layout. The piano layout is very very easy to play as long as you're playing in C major or A minor. Right. And then it's easy because you're just playing on the white keys. But let's say the singer wants to play in C sharp major. Uh, you have to learn an entirely different fingering. Well, one of the uh, the things that, that keyboard players have always envied about guitar players is when you want to transpose, the guitar player just slides his hand up the neck, and the keyboard player has to learn an entirely new fingering. So the thing that seems so easy about the piano key or keyboard layout, once you get into more complex music, makes it far harder to play. <clears throat> so um, what I try to do is to say, um, what... What is a better inter arrangement of notes uh, than the piano keyboard that, that allows you to play in relative pitch as a guitar player would? And the string layout just seemed to make much more sense. <clears throat> and that the, uh, but the, the thing that it would miss is the ability for it to be very accessible if you want to play just the white keys. And that's why out of the lights, because the lights tell you where all the, the, the naturals are. So if I want to play a scale... You just play where the lights are. So it kind of gives you the advantages of the piano keyboard while also allowing you, allowing you easy transposition. So I, mean, I, I, I think the second benefit is this isomorphic layout. Right. I gotcha. I guess the thing is... is One uh, thing I might... I might oh, yeah. Go, I'm carry, sorry. You carry on. One thing I might add, Nick, is that <clears throat> if, if you decide that a, uh, uh, the, the keyboard is, is problematic because of these two problems, number one, the problem out the problem of bending between notes and the problem of not being isomorphic, what layout do you choose? And you really don't have many options. Uh, if you want an isomorphic layout, uh, one that you can play the same um, accord in any key in the, using the same fingerings, uh, then all you've got really are grid or hex layout. Yeah. And hex layout you've seen, for example, at the, uh, uh, the, yeah. the Sound of Music, Shape of Music, <clears throat> those controllers that come out of England, and the see-through keyboard. Uh, and the hex keyboard is very good, but if you think about it, all a hex keyboard is, is a grid layout with every other row shifted by one half position, and then everything squished down, which turns them into hex keys. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally find that really confusing, the hex key layout, but I, I can get, I'm starting to get my head around the grid. I think, as with all of these things, it's going to take application. So, I mean, to play with virtuosity or uh, fluidity, you have to invest some time and, and effort into sort of getting it right, yeah? Yeah, sure. I think um, uh, guitarists and string players will get it quicker, and then keyboard players uh, maybe take a little bit longer because they have to translate their skills. But, but honestly, when I have keyboard, excuse me, when keyboard players come over to play it, they pick it up very, very quickly. Uh, well, it's kind of like the continuum. Um, if you're a keyboard player, uh, you, you, when you approach a continuum, you just basically have to stretch the notes out so they're all equally spaced mm -hmm. instead of as they are on a, a piano keyboard. And that's the same thing I'm doing here. Uh, but then if you take that idea of all the notes being equally spaced, instead of being in one long row, it's also a little bit difficult to look at both hands at the same time. Sure. I'm just taking two octave sections and overlapping them. 
into multiple rows. Well, perhaps that's something we can uh, talk about in a second uh, about the, the layouts and the splits and what have you. Uh, but I think it's time now for my uh, crass commercial interlude now. So if you'll excuse me for one second, I would just like to uh, introduce our sponsor. And that is Isotope. Of course, uh, if you're aware of Isotope, Isotope do sponsor our show on a regular basis. And uh, we want to tell you a little bit about Break Tweaker. Break Tweaker is their... Uh, it's, it's made in conjunction with designed by BT and developed by Isotopes. Break Tweak is not just a drum machine, it's a drum sculpting, beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. Uh, you can manipulate audio at molecular level, reinvent the beat by controlling pitch, rhythm and texture uh, at very high resolution. You can free yourself from traditional drum grids, create complex polyrhythmic beats with unique ISO rhythm and playback speed settings, which is very interesting. Experiment with stunning content, explore presets, drum samples, wavetables designed by top musicians, DJs, including BT. In fact, you get access to some of his very private and never seen before wavetables. You can craft the perfect drum sound, blend samples with synthesis to form, generate compelling hybrid sounds and take control of your beats. All you have to do is go to isotope.com forward slash break tweaker. Uh, you should be able to get yourself a 10 day free demo. And of course, uh, if you're a regular watcher of the show, you'll know that uh, Isotope regularly give away well every week frankly uh, a piece of software and this week is isotopes break tweaker of course how could it be anything else uh, obviously we don't have an announcing a winner for n- for last week's show because i'm not sure exactly when this week's going to be but if you want to win break tweaker what you have to do is you get on twitter and you need to uh, use the hashtag now this is going to be a bit of a mouthful morphing wavetable uh, which is uh, part of the capabilities of Break Tweaker. And you want to send that uh, at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And I will uh, take a selection, uh, take a slice and search to see who's mentioned it. And we take a random number and we pick that up. And the winner will be given a copy, a full copy of Break Tweaker uh, as, as um, bestowed by the Isotope Fairy. So remember, what you have to do is you go to Morphing Wavetable. Sorry, you go to Twitter, you hashtag Morphing Wavetable to at Sonic Nick and I, at Isotope Inc. And then we will be able to figure out who won um, whenever the next week after this show is, if you get my drift. So sorry to be so random, but uh, there's not really anything else we can do about that because it's, a, a, it's not a live show this week because I've got my guest, uh, Roger Lynn. So back to you, Roger. Um, we were talking about the layout and the, the capabilities there. And so far, the stuff that I've seen is sort of has been quite one-handed. Uh, you, but you've got other modes. So you've got split splitting and that sort of thing. So you can play even more poly- polyphony. Is there a limit to how many, f- I guess, you know, 10 fingers maximum, but can you, could you use, uh, could you have more than one person player? How do you, what are the modes? There's really no limit to the polyphony. So you could do, I suppose, have two people play at once. Uh, just the, the nature of how the, the sensor design doesn't limit the polyphony. But, you know, practically speaking, it's, it's probably more of a, a single person instrument at 10 fingers you'll so how does the split mode work? You can presumably, because do, does, it, 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 does it work on channels or does it work? Let, let's have a look. <clears throat> well, basically, you just press the split button to turn split on. And can you see the difference in colors? There? Yeah, there's, there's sort of lilac and green. Yeah, actually, let me just close these curtains so it makes it look darker. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that makes it a little bit easier to see. Um, yeah, at this point, uh, this side of the keyboard is now 
green lights and this is a blue. And in each case, there's a light blue or cyan color that marks the C within each octave. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm sending on one MIDI channel over here and a separate MIDI channel over here. Or I could have, you know, multi-channel over here and different multi-channel over here. Uh, it's basically how you can configure the splits separately. And that allows you to do a different sound, like uh, a keyboard sound here and a, and a uh, sax sound or something over here. Uh-huh. And I could actually hook that up, I suppose, to something. Well, what, like the, what, one thing I was curious about there, so if you're, if you're doing that... Um does it make? I mean, I'm guessing you have to. That that's though. If you're working in um in, in split mode, that's when you're gonna gonna have to get your chops together a little bit. I mean, is there any reason why you couldn't go four ways? You know, sort of. So you've got a a top two two tops and two bottoms. I mean, uh, is that the sort of thing that you can implement quite easily yourself? Well, it's. Um, I didn't put a four way split only because um, I don't want to make this too daunting. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> if you have a, a MIDI keyboard, normally people are used to a split keyboard. And what I'm trying to do is, is not make this some esoteric thing for weirdos. Sure. Uh, that uh, people can approach very easily uh, and, and, and immediately you know, get it out of the box and, and make great sounds with. <laughs> but um, one thing I want to mention is, is that uh, I've gotten all kinds of great emails from people around the world who have special needs. And they like to say, they're saying, can you put in this special feature for me, this special free feature for me? And, and I recognize that my resources are limited, and, and Garrett and I, uh, Garrett's mainly doing the software now, picking up at a much faster pace than, than I did initially, um, but there's only so much we can put in. So what I decided to do is just give away the software for free as open source. Ah, so people and can so, mod it. Yeah. <clears throat> what it is is you're probably aware of the Arduino platform. Right? Yeah, sure. Well, there, there's one model of Arduino, which is much faster. It's called the Arduino Due, and it's based on a, a fast arm chip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what we did is we based our circuit and our uh, software all on the Arduino platform. So all somebody has to do if they want to modify our software is to uh, go to the Arduino website, download the free editor, the IDE, uh, and then uh, uh, connect it up to their instrument via USB. And they select as their device the Arduino DUA. And then they go to our software repository download the, all the complete instrument software, load it into the Arduino editor, and modify anything they want, and then just upload it right into their instrument, and they've made a new feature. Now, of course, everyone's not a software editor, but I suspect that within weeks of release, there will be people who are making uh, new features in various ways, and then, of course, we will try to coordinate those so that those features are available to everybody. So one thing I've seen on, uh, well, I was looking at the manual and noticing that there was quite a lot of uh, layout here where, where, for instance, you're using the lights uh, as the display for setting certain things up as well. I mean, is that something that you're trying to maintain consistently or will, there, will you need to have a software editor to kind of get the most out of it? Uh, well, actually, there's quite a few features here. Uh, the main ones um, are... We have dedicated buttons, uh, like you can select the preset number uh, by just uh, holding preset and sliding your finger across the number changes. Yeah. Or you can select the volume by you know moving your finger up and down in a little volume bar. If you can see that lights up. Yeah, it doesn't definitely. Light. And then there's the octave transpose button, and you can change the octave for the left side, change the octave for the right side, or change the the transposition of the output, or change the transposition of the lights as they appear on the surface. 
And then there's a couple of auxiliary switches that you can set to anything you want. You could be sustain or CC65 or whatever. And then there's the split button where you turn the split on and off. By the way, if I just hold that and then move my finger, I change the split point. That's nice. People so are those you- are the main functions. But then there's lots and lots more. And one thing it may be hard to see in the light here is that printed on the top of the Ah, uh, yes, I see. Are a number of other parameters and also on the bottom of the unit. And they're shown in uh, four rectangles. And so, for example, if I press this button that says the per split settings, I see a, a number of uh, rectangles with text printed in there. I've and those are here. functions indicated by the lights in the four cells just below those, that printing. So it's very intuitive and very easy to see. Oh, and I see you're showing it there. That's perfect. Yeah, I managed to. And so all those functions like bend range, MIDI channels, uh, MIDI mode, whether the slides are on, quantization, um, uh, all the different functions that are used are printed there. And so there's quite a few functions, so it allows a great deal of customization. And by the way, anybody who goes to our website, they can download the user manual and see all the details of what those settings are. Exactly. That's as I'm now demonstrating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But then beyond that is where, and, and really we cover a tremendous amount of details right there, But beyond that is where uh, if somebody has a specialized application, they can rewrite the software to be however they want. And we also have a a very nice feature, too. If you add a feature and you would like to have different printing on the bottom, uh, there's this wonderful company called Style Flip, and they make custom labels for uh, products, including by MPCs. And so what we do is if anybody has a feature and they would like to have one of the unused uh, printed areas in the bottom used for that feature, they can just call style flip and say, I'd like to have instrument labels made with this text, and they'll make them up for very low cost. Oh, that's neat. That's that, that's cute as well, because it kind of takes the uh, that whole notion of overlays and stickers and stuff that's sort of, that's been in the uh, analog synthesizer world for quite some time. So a nice nod back there yeah. to... Uh, to to the past, I guess, yeah, uh, very much in the future. So, um, what what's the kind of roadmap now? I mean, obviously, this has been held up because of the, uh, uh, the, the the touch surface. I mean, where where are we in production? You know, what are your what's your aim and goal to kind of get this out to market now? Well, it, I'm, I'm ramping up slowly. I don't. I want to be able to catch any possible production problems early on. And my company is very small. Actually, you're looking at the whole company right now. It's just me. I have a lot of outsourced. Like uh, I use a manufacturer in San Francisco, and sometimes I'll bring in engineers to do certain work. And Garrett in in Belgium is helping me very much. Uh, But other than that, there's nobody here right now. And although I will be taking on some employees, I don't have a lot of resources or money (laughs) to be able to ramp up really fast. And so I'm going to be making, you know, 10 units, then 25, and then we'll see what the demand is. Uh, Right now it looks like the demand will be very high, but it's hard to say. Uh, but I want to, at first, I want to just sell some, some direct here in the San Francisco Bay Area so that if it, there are any problems, I can get people to bring it over and swap out boards, things like that. Uh, and then after doing that for maybe a month and do, you know, 25 and then 50 and then take it up from there. I, I suspect that those are very wise words from a man who has a, an inordinate amount of experience in the manufacture process and may have, yeah, I mean, because there's nothing worse than, you know, getting the, pressing the button on a big run and then finding, oh, that 
yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff is yeah. just uh, is pain. I mean, obviously, you, you know, you've got other stuff on the go as well. I mean, Tempest is still in production, and uh, yeah. that's pretty. I mean, I, I reviewed that some time back. I think I think we were in communication uh, then, and that's uh, together with Dave Smith. Um, are you developing those products sort of simultaneously? I mean, because that's got uh, a, an upgradable OS and what have you. I mean, do you find that you can't you kind of continuously tinkering between between products, or how do you try like to focus your time? Well, sometimes I can't focus my time. Uh, you know, it's just so much work to do. Uh, and unfortunately, what I've done is I've set up a lot of automated systems to handle <clears throat> things like order processing and um, and the information on the web. Uh, for example, on the website, I, I do all the tech support, and there there are more than eleven thousand adrenalines out there. Uh, there's my adrenaline sync software, um, and there's other uh, smaller products to make. And so on the, on the website, I have all the FAQs on there, and I honestly try to answer everything as as honestly as possible, including the warts. And I tell people, I say, you know, I I, I will answer your tech support, and I'm, I'm busy doing other things, but I'd appreciate it if you read the FAQs first or look in the manual. And yeah. people are very respectful about that. And But when they do answer, when they do ask a question, I tell them the truth, you know. There may be a, a problem, and I say, no, that's a, that's a problem, it's my fault, but I'll help you out with it. Excellent. Uh, I mean, nothing like the personal touch. I think that's something that's kind of often missed in uh, in, in many companies these days. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, when what, when you're going to make 10, 20, whatever initially, what what are you, when's, when's that going to happen? I'm trying to try to nail you down here, Roger. You're going to have to, you're going to have to give me a, 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 a target that you're aiming for. I mean, obviously I understand when you mention a date, it's difficult to be absolute about these things. I understand yeah, that uh, the, the need to, to give some sort of an estimate. I've been saying for a while now that I plan to ship in the fall, and that's accurate. I will be shipping uh, greater numbers in the fall. At first, uh, I will sell, be selling only from the website for the first few months, uh, only because everybody's coming to me anyway, and I just need the money to continue production. Sure. Uh, so I make more money if I sell direct than if I sell through dealer. But I will be selling through dealers after that. Uh, and I would say... Uh, Probably dealers won't be there uh, for Christmas sales, but after then, January, something like that. But there will be sales on the website in the fall uh, for direct sales. Oh, wow. Okay. That's uh, something definitely to look forward to. And um, So is this the model? I mean, are you planning on different versions of this? I mean, notice this one's got kind of wood end cheeks, and it's kind of got a, a nice high high quality to it. Are you, are you planning on other iterations once this technology is kind of smooth? I mean, because obviously this is quite a large surface area in terms of playing. I mean, there's there's scope for all sorts of ways of applying this technology elsewhere, I guess. Well, uh, I do plan to make different models. I do plan to make a shorter model. The, this model is 25 columns wide. I plan to make a smaller one that's 16 columns wide. Uh, and also I plan to make ones with different note layouts. Uh, so, some people would like to have a, a, a panel key layout. So I'm going to make one that has basically two manuals of smaller canopies uh, uh, that okay. are, and also uh, I, I would like to make one uh, with larger drum pads too. Uh, and so it, it would be uh, for people that like to play drum pad uh, as an interface. And basically each drum pad would be the size of four of the instrument pads, or the current instrument pads. And so each of those I plan to make in, in a long version and a shorter version. And what I'd like to do too, I really like hex keys. So I'd like to make a version with hex keys as well. Ah, okay. So, and I guess that's all pretty straightforward. So, is the is, is the sensor um, 
is the sensor technology in the actual material or do you need to create, a, a, are they actual sort of buttons with sensors around them? I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting you to give away any, any secrets, but I'm just curious to, to know how that aspect of it works. Well, basically, <clears throat> the test surface on top, the silicon rubber translucent surface, is just on top of the sensor. And the sensor, sensor is really the part of it, the part that's underneath. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very large and very expensive to fabricate. Uh, but, and it has to be made, each sensor has to be different for each key layout. Uh, so, for example, if I make a piano key right. layout, it has to be in that shape. If it's hex keys, it has to be in that shape. If it's drum pads, it has to be in that shape. And the other thing, too, because of the lights, um, the, the lights have to be placed in different positions, for example, for a hex layout or for the piano key layout. So uh, it takes different circuit boards and, and different sensors in there. And each one of those costs a lot of money to uh, fabricate and set up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. But it sounds like there's a, 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 a the interesting idea about the, the sort of larger, because I mean, obviously, you know, the, the thing that, um, that that you're known for, you know, probably the, whether it's a cross or, a, you know, is, is your, uh, is the MPC, you know, the, the layout of the MPC yeah. pads. And many, many people have, you know, you've kind of enabled a whole genre of music to explode. You know, I mean, many people say, you know, that, that uh, without the MPC, hip hop would never have been so meteoric in its rise, you know, because there wouldn't have been the technology, the enabling technology for it. So I'm guessing a lot of people who are interested in what you do are those guys too. So that would make a lot of sense. Well, yeah. And, and well, first I, I say that, uh, that people have said that, but I'm, I'm sure hip hop would have happened uh, the same with somebody else's technology. And I just got lucky that, that uh, they happened to use mine. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's amazing the creativity a lot of the uh, drum pad players have um, shown in using the the, the four by four grid layout, uh, and it's uh, and I, I want that's why I want to give them something they can use to use those skills. Uh, and one of the things that I'm actually very excited about is the, the drum pad layout of of instrument uh, because it'll have 48 drum pads, and all of which are sensitive to uh, not only uh, velocity and pressure but x and y axis movements. And and um, I must say that. Uh, uh, the there's a there's a tremendous number of things you can do when you've got that many pads and they all have so much control uh, for for beat oriented music mm. uh, and I've got some ideas for that uh, for example using that controller uh, the drum pad controller virtual instrument with maybe an iPad app or something like that ah interesting and uh, speaking of iPad apps I'm, uh, is it is it going to be um, class compliant I mean is it class compliant I mean what's the sort of nuts and bolts of that side of things or is it going to need special drivers to, to interface no no the, the output of Linstrument is purely class compliant MIDI so it requires no software on the computer whatsoever except your sound generation software and, uh, and so you can play uh, USB we know it's also got MIDI jacks I don't know if you can see it here oh yeah but I've got in and out uh, and, and then I've got USB, but of course the USB is going to send the MIDI much faster than, than the MIDI jacks, uh-huh. which is kind of nice considering you've got, if you're playing 10 fingers, you've got 30 strings of continuous data. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's always, I mean, because the, the, the MIDI port itself, you know, I mean, that back in the day when we were all using Ataris or kind of low-powered computers, the 
the just the just the presence of aftertouch or pitch bend could clog up and yeah. you know pro- cause problems with beats which i'm guessing is possibly one of the reasons why hipcock guys love the mpc because it had multiple output ports and it was just sort of rock solid timing so that makes an awful lot of sense i mean have you have you been tempted to kind of adopt any other um like osc or any of the other transports for 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 the output of this or is that something that would be relatively straightforward to to implement well, OSC is wonderful. For those who don't know, OSC is Open Sound Control. It's a protocol created right down the street from me at the University of California, Berkeley, here in Berkeley, where I live. Uh, and it's marvelous. And it allows, instead of the limitations of, of uh, 7-bit MIDI, you've got 32-bit floating point. Um, however, um, as much as I love it, uh, it's not widely accepted. Mm-hmm. And given that MIDI does do everything that the instrument wants to do, uh, I figured that it's better to have um, to use the existing standard, which all synths work with. But that, and and we haven't implemented OSC. You know, that's one of the first things I think someone's going to do with the open source software. All oh, right, is, so they is, can do that. Okay, is to implement an open sound control uh, implementation. And I guess the other thing is everybody's doing it as well. A bit of control voltage output somewhere along the line. I suppose that might be difficult with your powering it over USB, but that's because that's been something that's quite interesting. Uh, I noticed that certainly Akai, even on the uh, I think it's the Max Forty Nine and various and lot you know lots of people are putting. Uh, I think Arturia as well CV outputs as well. So you get this um, this direct connection with analog world. I mean, that is that something that is of interest or relevant perhaps to this. Well, one of the problems is, is if you want to be able to have uh, 10 fingers of control, that means there'll be 30 output jacks. That's true. So it makes it a little bit difficult. <laughs> so what we do is we just put out the, the USB and the MIDI, and then you, you can connect that to any uh, MIDI to uh, analog box, and then use that a, as you, you wish. And you can choose a small one, or you can choose one with many outputs, or as many as, as you want. Right. So, um, well, Roger... The thing I'm going to add to that oh, is... Yeah. <clears throat> The, the instrument's only about five and a half pounds, uh, and one of the reasons is it's very, very thin. It's only one inch thin, and so there's just there's only so many jacks you can put sure. on Sure. I noticed you've got a couple of uh, um, guitar uh, strap points on there, and in, indeed, one of the videos that you were uh, that you posted yourself, which was uh, using Logic, um, you were sort of wearing it, as it were, as a, as a sort of strap-on thing. I mean, does that that struck, struck me as a little bit perhaps difficult to play? I mean, how do you find it in that respect? Is there anything that you can do to kind of make that easier? Because you're you're going to going to hurt your neck after a little while, surely. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like playing the Chapman stick. Ah, yeah. You know, it, where you're holding it kind of uh, Bill Wyman style, you know, <clears throat> and and uh, and you you use your fingers on both sides. Uh, you know, in the same way you would play a stick or you'd play maybe an accordion or you'd play anything where you have hands approaching from both sides, you tend to play it at an angle like this. Uh, but it's, it's, I could see in the future having a model which has maybe less notes and is a little bit thinner. Uh, but at only five and a half pounds, that's less than many guitars. Yeah, it doesn't weigh much at all, so that's not so much a problem. Uh, the other thing was, is uh, in terms of the, uh, the MIDI ports, effectively the USB ports, do you have like one available or, or can you split them out? Because I know some instruments have, you know, so you'd have a note output, a control output. So you you've, you can address multiple MIDI ports. It makes it sometimes easier to route between software instruments within a DAW environment. Well, there's only one MIDI output and one MIDI input. And currently there's only one MIDI port uh, on the, uh, the uh, in the USB jack. So um, it all goes through one port, but... 
um, it's, uh, I guess my, my, my thinking is, is that um, you've got the assignability so you can, you rarely use more than uh, 16 channels on one port. And since you've got the speed there anyway, there's no need for it to overcome the speed limitations. Uh, so while it, some people might say it's a convenience to have a separate uh, MIDI jack uh, or, or um, multiple MIDI ports, I guess I just didn't really see the need for it. It's possible we could change that in a future update. I suppose that's true, isn't it? I mean, I guess us old school guys are thinking, oh, well, you've got to have a set dedicated MIDI port because it'll get clogged up. But yeah, you're right. On over USB, it's really no no issue whatsoever, right? Well, and, and plus, um, because of the, the high volume of data that spit out of this thing, uh, the MIDI port is better because it goes quite a bit faster. Excuse me, the USB port is a, is a more efficient transport uh, mechanism for MIDI than the slower MIDI jacks. Right, gotcha. Well, Roger, I think we're probably um, we're probably getting towards an hour of chat, which has been absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you joining us uh, at what must be an early time <laughs> there on the East Coast and a late time here. That's the time difference. Um, but for, if uh, we wish you the very best of luck with this, have you got any idea of pricing? I mean, have you have you kind of fixed pricing oh, for yes. this kind of thing? It's I didn't to, ask that, did I? I suppose I should. It's going to be uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Right. Okay. So that's a little bit less than uh, than perhaps the rumours had. So that's great. So uh, people will be very pleased. And if you're in the UK, the dollar dollar to UK pound price is uh, is well in your favour at the moment. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So uh, Roger, thank you very much for joining us. Wish you the best of luck with it, Lindsman. If you want to see what Roger's up to, you just go to Roger Lynn Design and uh, keep an eye out. And also on Sonic State, obviously, we'll keep news of it. Uh, Roger, you look like you wanted to add something there. Oh, only that we didn't get a chance to play any of the sounds really. So if, if let people know that uh, on the site there's a number of videos, uh, so they can they can hear and see uh, uh, the list of being played. Absolutely, and I, and I think that would probably be better because over the limitations of Skype and what have you, you're going to get a much better representation of what the instrument could do. In fact, one of the reasons we're here is because there's been uh, there's a great video uh, played. In fact, I could play a little bit of it now. With uh, I think this is this the Gert Beaven one. Uh, no, perhaps it's not. I don't have it lined up. But uh, that uh, the have been posted uh, by Roger himself and by uh, Gert, who, uh, again, oh, that's not it. <laughs> that's the wrong one. <laughs> so, uh, but I'll put the links in the show notes and you can check that out. But uh, once again, we thank Roger very much for joining us. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know at trade shows, it's always a mad environment, but it's invariably where we do bump into each other. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for uh, helping me spread the word. And um, uh, it's good to talk to you. It's been a while. Great. Okay. And that's it for Sonic Talk number 371, I think it might be. I'm not sure yet, but you'll see in the notes what the title is because I don't know when this is going to go out. But thank you very much for watching. Once again, don't forget, if you want to have the chance to win Isotope Brake Tweaker, uh, you need to go here and tweet out uh, the hashtag Morphing Wavetable to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And then you can win one and it'll all be great. So, once again, thank you very much. And, Roger, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day over there in Sully, California. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Nick. Bye now.